and welcome to another episode of Consumer, the European podcast of the Consumer Choice Center. As always, I'm your host, Bill Words, with Billy Joel's pressure fading out in the background. As always, if you support this podcast, you can do so uh, further by going on consumerchoicecenter.org slash donate. Every uh, euro is appreciated. You can also make donations in cryptocurrencies. And, uh, and of course, uh, uh, rate and like us on your podcast host, wherever you're listening to right now. This is episode 84 on August 18, 2022. I'm going solo this week, so no guests this week, unfortunately. But I have these topics for you. End of compensation. Airlines in Europe are asking for an end to the compensation scheme under EU 261, which gives you up to 600 euros. So I have my own thoughts about this. Uh, lawmakers in Poland suggest leasing Germany's phased-out nuclear power plants, and the Dutch government wants to enshrine COVID-19 rules into law permanently. So let's get started. Airlines push for compensation rule change, writes Politico. Compensation rules for flight delays and cancellations are one of the biggest bugbears of airlines and frequently their top complaint when they visit the Berlimont in Brussels, which is the European Commission. So under current rules, you can get between, I think, 250 and 600 euros, depending on your um, uh, flight uh, distance and time of the delay. Uh, and because of this, uh, since these rules have been implemented, uh, which is EU Regulation 261, there have been a lot of people talking about your passenger rights when you fly within the European Union or from an airport within the European Union. So you get YouTube videos such as this one. In this video, we're talking money. I got paid 662 US dollars for a delayed flight from Europe to Asia. And this is what happened. The EU has a law where if a flight is delayed for a certain amount of time, for a certain amount of distance, you get paid based on the time and distance. They do have caps on it. The highest you can get from this is 600 euro. And that converted is 662 US dollars. And I got that. And you can too. So what you really need to know is your passenger rights. Europe has strong passenger rights. If flights are delayed within Europe or departing from Europe to any other non-European airport, you're eligible for compensation. So from personal uh, experience, and of course this is, pers this is just anecdotal, um, I haven't been very successful at, get at getting these uh, compensation payments, even though I've been in many situations where I could get them. Once I went all the way through and actually sued the airline uh, together with the help of um, there's this company called AirHelp, which is specialized in trying to get compensation payments. And it went all the way to court in uh, in Poland, in Warsaw. But unfortunately, it didn't go anywhere because very often these airlines are quite protected by their um, court system and, and, and because they're also owned by uh, individual countries. And then also in other situations, you know, uh, this summer it also didn't go very far because then the airlines blame it on extraordinary circumstances that there was not enough staff at the airports or that there were strikes and so on. So very often the airlines do find excuses. But of course, this has been quite costly for the airlines because they need to have some sort of an insurance. Because what happens if, uh, you know, you're on a 20 euro Ryanair ticket, but then Ryanair needs to give you 600 euros compensation because there was a delay. Um, and, uh, and that, of course, has the airlines uproared. 
um, a political quote, Thomas Reinert, Managing Director of Brussels-based industry lobbying airlines for Europe, A4E. And he says, I think everyone would agree that if you pay 50 euros for the ticket and then you get 300 euros back, that's not right. So, And then you got passenger rights groups and claims agency that say airlines deliberately make it difficult to file a claim. Patrick Gibbles, director of the Brussels-based consultancy Gibbles Public Affairs, says, We exist because airlines make it very opaque and difficult to get their rights. They've basically created the market for claims agencies. And that, that's, that's definitely true because airlines, um, when you try directly with them to file your claim, it is very, very difficult. And then claims agencies, they take a cut, you know, they take 15%, 20% of whatever your compensation may be, and then they make it easier for you to file uh, your individual claim. Now, my view has been, and I think I've talked about this before on this podcast, is that essentially what the EU with Regulation 261 did is create an insurance that you didn't ask for. You could already make insurances for delayed flights. You have them sometimes through credit cards or sometimes because you pay for them individually. But here the EU imposed it on you. And because airlines need to insure their flights for possible compensation payments, that increases your fare as well. Uh, and my view in general is that if you want an insurance, buy it and don't force me to buy a similar insurance, especially if it's as ineffective through the regulatory system as it is now. So now we have 261 and there's these compensation payments, but it's a pain in the butt to actually get your money if you get it at all. And then you still pay the claims agency 20% because it's so hard to get through it. So I, I think I think this whole compensation scheme doesn't really make too much sense. Um, it looked very nice and it still looks very nice as you hear in, the, in this YouTube video. Oh, these very strong passenger rights in the EU um, when you have foreign travelers who hear about this. Very impressed with the EU rules. But in practice, I don't really think it makes too much sense. Um, so let's see how uh, how this is going to go. I know the airlines, uh, they do want to uh, get rid of this, but uh, we'll have to see. The commission um, came out with this compensation scheme um, in, uh, in, in 2013. It will have to be revised at some point, um, but we'll see. Um, I think definitely the extraordinary circumstances part has made it very difficult for a lot of people to get compensated. And I think um, that's why a lot of people have good reason to be frustrated. Next up, some parliamentarians in Poland have a very interesting idea what to do with those almost phased out nuclear power plants. Now, there are about six nuclear power plants that are phased out but could be restarted. This has caused a big debate in Germany. Three of them were phased out in 2020, December 2020. Three more of them were phased out just last December but they could be restarted, and we've talked about this with uh, Rainer Kluter from Nuclearia on this podcast before. Um, now, this has caused some debate in Germany, whether the German government should actually take that step. And the environmentalist party seems increasingly open for that. But now a new suggestion is very interesting. Left-wing parliamentarians want to save Germany's nuclear power plants from extinction. And uh, the proposal has been warmly welcomed by most opposition parties in Poland. So now it's just the government that actually needs to sign off on this idea. 
uh, Euractiv is uh, writing, the originators of the project were MPs from the left-wing Levitsa Razem party, who in recent days have made headlines in media, in media reports that the German government had deceived its citizens by telling them that the continued operation of nuclear reactors was impossible due, for example, to difficulties in fuel supply. And as one MP was quoted by Euractiv saying, in 2022, shutting down power plants in low carbon sources is a climate crime. We should fight to ensure that nuclear power stations are not shut down. Um, and a junior climate minister in Poland says, quote, if German nuclear units were not shut down, German reductions in greenhouse gas emissions would be 30% higher. Shutting down nuclear power plants in 2021 only caused greenhouse gas emissions to increase by 4.5%. So uh, interesting that Poland is actually uh, looking over to Germany and uh, criticizing it because usually on the climate uh, conversation, we uh, we have uh, the, the more Western European nations looking over to Poland and criticizing Poland for its a heavy reliance on coal. Actually, Poland is not just the largest, but in practical terms, the, the only real country in Europe that still produces any significant amount of coal uh, um, and, and uses it for, for, um, for electricity production. So very interesting that um, that this could be an actual possibility. Obviously, I believe the German government would have to sign off on this. So I think it's more likely that the German government would have would restart those power plants for for local consumption rather than leasing it out uh, to the poles. But this is definitely a, a way of keeping it in the news. Um, that's for certain. And and I think it's uh, very important that uh, that it stays in the news. And then last but not least, I know, short episode, um, do forgive me, it's a bit of travel around this summer. Uh, the Dutch government wants to enshrine COVID-19 rules into law permanently. So mayors, local health boards and legal experts are highly critical of the government's plan to enshrine temporary legislation to manage coronavirus into permanent law. So that is what DutchNews.nl is reporting. Uh, so what happened here is that the, the temporary uh, rules that the Dutch government was using to do everything from mandatory masking into um, all the rules on quarantines and self-isolation, um, that expired on June 1st. The Senate was unwilling to allow the government to continue with its provisions. So now the government says that uh, it's only emergency solution to be able to react to rising COVID uh, cases, which could possibly happen in autumn and winter this year, uh, would be to put it into law permanently. Um, and that uh, and that has a, a lot of uh, people up in arms, uh, not only from a civil liberties perspective, but also health service experts uh, have complained that the legislation is not clear about the rules of a quarantine and self-isolation. Uh, the mayors are, um, are also um, not entirely happy with the legislation. It seems to be a very ill-conceived and, and not very... Um, uh, not very clear on exactly what the rules are and who's in charge of deciding who goes into quarantine for how long and, and what the rules are for face masks. Um, I think it's a very terrible uh, proposal by the Dutch government because, well, this is a temporary situation, should have temporary solutions. On top of the fact that the lockdowns are not very effective in the first place, there was a very long lockdown um, uh, going starting 
2020, uh, late 2021 uh, into the new year, and uh, that was not very effective. Um, and, and and overall, what right now what we see with the situation is that the COVID-19 pandemic, if it's still really a pandemic, because the um, the virus at this point uh, seems to be uh, less severe than the flu um, is uh, is not really a crisis and emergency anymore. And the problem with creating a permanent basis for those rules is that they could be used for anything else uh, in the future as well. And I think creating permanent um, solutions for this, I think the Dutch government would be... Um, it would be unprecedented in Europe for that actually to happen, to for those to be in somewhat somewhat constitutionalizing those those rules um, would be would be very bad. Um, so far, all the, the the governments have relied on emergency powers and and not very effectively in in their in their procedures. And now putting them into temporary law would really really be uh, very bad from a civil liberties perspective, and um, and and definitely not what we need right now. So that was me going solo this week, um, episode pre-recorded. So if there was any bigger news over the last few days, uh, I probably won't have picked it up and I will have to pick it up uh, when I'm back. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for rating this podcast. Again, uh, if you want to make a donation to support this podcast, you can do so on consumerchoicecenter.org slash donate. You can follow the Consumer Choice Center on Twitter at Consumer Choice C and do follow us as well on Facebook and Instagram and all those good places. LinkedIn as well. Let's not forget about LinkedIn. Um, and yeah, I've been your host, uh, Bill Wirtz, and uh, see you Thursday. You have to learn to pace yourself. Pressure. Just like everybody else Pressure You've only